aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Oh boy, Sally, how's it going? It's going okay. Yeah. Uh, let's just say right away that this doesn't sound like this podcast usually sounds because I'm presently using a $12 pair of headphones with a built-in microphone to record. So apologies in <laughs> advance, everyone. But as of next week, we will be back to sounding amazing. Yeah, and also I miss uh, you know seeing you in person. It's different when you're not like in front of me. I know it's weird because you're inside my computer and you're just in this little square. I am. Um, and also there's like a slight delay. So your mouth is like out of sync with your words. And so it's like very trippy. Well, now I'm just exactly. mouthing nothing. I know, I know. Um, yeah, so normally the show sounds great. Hey, listen, if you're a new listener because of, I don't know, a little write-up in something we got. My gosh, the lily. HuffPo. Yeah, it's actually um, Was the Washington Post, not the right. Sorry, Huffington Post. Wash Different Post. WashPo. Um, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, they yeah. they wrote a really cool thing about um it's I guess a theme towards women, um, a site, I suppose, like women's news, and it's kinda like the skim and they have updates and news stuff, but we were featured in ten uh mental health podcasts. I'd like to think of the top ten mental health podcasts, but it was an <laughs> honor to be in there. And the other podcasts in there are amazing. So it was really, really cool. So check it out. We'll put a link on the website. Yeah, check it out. It, um, it's really cool to be included alongside such rad podcasts. So uh, thank you to The Lily yeah, for including us. it was really cool. And hey, listen, if you want to find us and read about us and see some pictures and read the piece about the podcast, you can tweet at us at StruggleBusPod. Email us at StruggleBusPodcast at gmail.com. Go on Instagram, Instagram.com slash the StruggleBusPod. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller. And on the internets, a website, strugglebuspodcast.com, where we have links to everything, including that awesome, awesome article. And if you want to be a member of our super secret Facebook group, you can email us the same email, strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com, but put in the subject line that you want to be in the group. Otherwise, we will think it's a question and save it for another week. So, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, members, too. Membership. Sally, tell them about that. Yes, please become a member. Uh, your donation, which can be as little as $5 a month, helps us keep doing the show and, you know, should have helped me with this recording situation I, I seem to be in. But I do want you to know, members, I did use your hard-earned money to buy a mic to make this sound really good to solve precisely this problem. But the mic I got was a lemon. You bought so an expensive mic. Yeah, it was an expensive lemon, but know that your money is still going to good use because I'm going to return it, get a new one, and record the shit out of this show, and it's going to sound real good. Um, but anyway, $5 a month. Uh, <laughs> or more. <laughs> we'll get you a, a monthly, or more, we'll get you a monthly bonus episode. Uh, I think there are 10 or 11 now. There will be another one soon. Um, and and also an archive of all the bonus episodes we've recorded. I guess I kind of just said that. Um <laughs> Sorry, I just turned off the air conditioning in this room and I'm like slightly, I'm like my brain is melting a little bit. Why did but, you, um, oh, I kept the AC on. I'm not, I'm, I'm serious about this situation. You got to keep it on sometimes. Do you want to turn know, it back it's, on? It's, I... it's really, really, really loud. Oh, okay. It, it, 
It would make an already compromised audio situation even sketchier. Um, But anyway, you also get a ticket to ride the struggle bus, which is like a little uh, Metro card sized thingy that you can keep on you. And it just says on one side, never ride alone. And on the other side, it says... What does it say? <laughs> it says, uh, 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 tri- uh, uh, this pass something, something. And it oh, yeah, your- yeah. And Ent- uh, this entitles you to a lifetime of rides on the struggle bus. We're a little bit off our game. Okay. Catherine and I haven't seen each other in person in a long fucking time. Yeah. And we obviously don't know how to do the podcast if we're not, like, sitting next to each well, other. And also, for new listeners, hello. Um, we normally do do it in person. You're in L.A. for a month, and you come back next week? Yes, yeah. I will be back next week. This is the last episode that will... A, sound like this, and B, where Catherine and I will be, like, weird and disoriented. Well, I mean, not the last one ever, but the last one (laughs) due to me being in Los Angeles. We promise to be weird and disoriented for other reasons in the future. Well put. And we were going to record a uh, a bonus ep today, but you know what? We decided we want to be in person, so we are due for another monthly bonus ep. And if you become a member, you tell us what what you want to hear us talk about. Literally anything. Elephants, you got it. Done and done. Done and done. So uh, I'm so excited to see you when you come back. I miss you very much. So let's do opening jibber-jabber. Sally, what is happening on your end of the town? Okay, so um, I just want to really quickly say that what I'm about to say is in no way an indictment of the person who recommended this movie to me, who is one of the most treasured and beloved people in my entire life. Uh Oh, is Um, it me? And also who has impeccable (laughs) taste. But... So my brother recommended I see the movie Dunkirk in IMAX, and um, I did. I did. Andrea and I went. And I – now listen. It is probably a really good movie. I can't say for sure because after the first 10 minutes, I was in the fetal position with my hands over my ears. Oh, no. And I had to, like, leave the theater. It was – so loud. Like there's no movie that's ever been louder. Like my, my seats were shaking and I was like, you know how sometimes you, you go, you like, there are like rides where it's like immersive and something happens in the movie and your seat shake vibrates. This was, I I think this was actually not that it was just so loud. It was like vibrating, but basically not to spoil it, although I'm going to spoil it because it's a true story. So, um, (laughs) basically, (laughs) basically what happens is like, just to boil it down, this is like 300,000, um, like I guess English soldiers are like stranded waiting to be rescued and like waiting to be rescued slash to die as they get like bombed by German planes. And, um, so yeah, there's like a lot of like, there's a lot of like planes crashing. There's a lot of bombs exploding. It's just, it's, it's really loud. And it's like, there is so much impending death and doom that like, I would say every sense I have, that's not true. I couldn't smell or taste anything, but basically (laughs) I was like so overstimulated that I like, I was just like, was freaking out. So I, um, I didn't want to like leave because Andrea was really enjoying it. So I, I left the theater and like, she kept watching it, but I just like, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. I'm not afraid to admit that I could not take this movie. And I'm, I think it's probably a really, really good war movie that really gets at like the trauma and like chaos of war and everything. And Christopher Nolan's great and it's beautiful, et cetera. But, um, it like, I'm like, I'm like pretty easily overstimulated and like pretty freaked out by like loud things. And also 
scary things about death. And so when those are sort of combined, I basically fall apart. And that's what I wanted to jibber jabber about, Catherine. I just want to ask a quick question, and it's not going to be a spoiler, but was it that it was just like so much energy of bombs and loud noises like consistently? Or was it, you know what I mean? Like how... Was it just a lot of action and like? Too, yeah, like- yeah, that's a really, like a really good question. I don't think there. I think there was like five minutes of dialogue in the entire thing, which that could be really inaccurate because I left. I was coming and going from the theater, and also was wearing earplugs, and I was also like trying really hard not to pay attention. Oh, wait, you had so, you had earplugs? Yeah, Andrea had them on her. Um, yeah. So look, she knows that I'm like pretty needy when it comes to like sensory <laughs> overload. So, but like. Yeah, so it's it's like the, what is going on in the movie is like bombing, shooting, crashing. Like it, it's all. I mean, it's just like the entire thing is like an action sequence, and um, and obviously in an IMAX, it's like incredibly immersive. So there's like no escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. I actually saw Crown Heights, um, which is based on a true story. It's coming oh, out. Yeah, yeah, and it is about a man who goes to prison and he's wrongfully convicted. You know, shocker, but. It was, the acting was spectacular. The, you know, it, it, one of the guys from, I think it was the LA Raiders, he's a, uh, he was on their football team. He's an actor now. Mm. He is also part producer of that. The director was, they did a talk back afterwards. The acting was extraordinary, but I sat there like, it was so, so sad after injustice, after injustice, after injustice. And we knew there'd be a payoff. We knew the end was a happy one, but yeah. it was a lot. I mean, see it, it's a great movie, but oh my goodness, it was I was like, I don't know how much more of this I can uh, take, but um, it was a good point, though. Like, that was how it felt for the guy, probably. So there's that. So, right, you know, right. there's that That's aspect. What, yeah, I think, like, Dunkirk does a really good job of, like, not like, I mean, whatever. You, you can't mimic the experience of being in war, but I feel like you get, like, a little taste of just, like, the intensity and the the chaos of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, anyway. boy. Well, that's that's great. I I am a bachelorette this weekend for the first time Ew. in a while. My boyfriend's out of town. And when the boy's away, the cat will watch rom-coms. Oh, no. I, I, I've been doing a lot of work and catching up on things. And it's been... You guys, listen, I love my boyfriend. I love living with him. I just do understand why people have more than one room in places, uh, in spaces and offices. Because I... I really dig having the place to myself. I really thought you were going to say, I really understand why people have more than one partner. Oh, no. Oh, God. Because you were like, I love my boyfriend, but I really understand why people have more than one room. (laughs) Can I I tell you, and and honestly, like, I don't care what people's relationship structures are, but to me, the, uh, you know, polyamory, all the things, and I've tried a lot of things, whatever, but the scheduling and the time, I'm like, how do you have the energy? It's complicated. It's complicated. Spreadsheets. Oh, gosh. But what I wanted to talk about, I want to keep this brief because I talked about it in Tell the Bartender this week, but I had a very interesting interaction this weekend. I'm going to keep this very vague because I don't want to get people involved. Uh, I saw a show with some friends. It's a show I've seen a lot, a show I'm much, very much involved with because I know the cast. And I'm there and I'm with a fellow friend and their girlfriend. Uh, my friends are black. I'm white. And during the show, these women in front of us started turning around and in the most disgusting way, correcting them about laughing too loud. By the way, spoiler, I'm the one who laughs too loud, saying things like, excuse me, could you keep it down? We know you're having a good time, but we're trying to enjoy art. And then a second time, they just turned around and stared at them. And I'm like, me, it's me. I'm the loud person. Also, you're the worst. And they actually said the third time. 
um, can we try to use our inside voices, please? And then after that, after the show, uh, the other woman, the friend was the worst. And the other woman kind of like looked uncomfortable. But she goes, hey, listen, it's just that my friend really wanted to see the show. And that's when my friend's girlfriend was like, no. And this is after the show. This is right when the show ended. And she gave her the business. She goes, that was outright racist. I want you to examine and sit with these feelings. I This is very uncomfortable. Good. I hope you're uncomfortable. And they start to leave. And I turn to, so the other friend had left the, the bad one because she wanted to go meet the cast, you know, because she's a big fan. And I just turned thinking, you know, this is my time. I think white people should be like also involved in this. And I said, hey, lady, listen, you know, I, uh, I know it's uncomfortable, but I was very kind that I reach out in that kind of way. I'm like, listen, think about what happened. Think about what you said. You know, it was really inappropriate. And like, I get it. Being called out is like humiliating or uncomfortable. But like I've been called out to guess what? Like, it's really a part of learning. I know you're not a bad person, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, I'm just I'm like, so sorry, you're right. And like, I'll please extend my apologies. And I was like, no, you can apologize to them right over there. And they were still standing. And then my other friend who is at the show, but in the back of the audience, who is amazing, who's a black woman, came out to me and goes, Catherine, I really appreciate that you try to do the right thing. And she goes, I know it's also you as Catherine trying to calm people down. And she goes, but to me, it looked like I couldn't hear what you were saying, but it looked like you were comforting her. And I was like, oh, shit, I was just trying to maybe like get get it through to her. She goes, no, no, no. She needs to know that it's an uncomfortable moment. You know, this person's girlfriend, who's a black woman, told her outright exactly what I could have said, but like, I, why did I try to say it differently, right? She goes, there's times where you just need to say, yeah, I'm with this person, this is my friend, and then just walk away and support that. And then I was like, fuck. But then she goes, think about it this way. Imagine a friend, a male friend of yours, rapes your friend. And then you're at a party, and you tell your other male friend, like I rape my friend, and you see him walk over, put his arm around the dude, and try to reason with him. And I've actually seen that shit happen. I'm like, oh, my God. And it's not that it was so, like, you know, mind-blowing. But I, in the conversations we keep having about women trying to, white women, sorry, trying to be allies or help out, like, yeah, maybe, it, yes, have the conversations. But they don't always have to be comforting because it's an uncomfortable situation and conversation. And I know it's my nature to try to be like, hey, I get it. But I realize now, like, absolutely. I fucking hate it when I see people I respect. And I'm like, that guy raped my friend. And they walk over and be like, oh, but, you know, we have to work together. No, you don't have to. So I learned a little bit more about um, what doing the right thing is. It's a very long story. Try to keep it short. But that was a really, really important conversation. And I was very thankful that she said something to me. So That's awesome. I'm yeah. glad she did, too. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was just sort of a, you know, on the the more, you know, still learning, thinking, sitting with the discomfort. Um, totally. Yeah. Those people sound awful. Oh, they that were. were um... That's the thing. It's like in hindsight, I'm like, well, they're terrible. <laughs> I, I Especially if it's the show that I think it is. It's yeah, not really a show that you need to be quiet during. It's that show. But um, yeah, it was it was very interesting um, and awful. And I'm really glad that I was spoken to as well. I'm like, hmm. I learned a lot. That's cool. Good. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Learned a thing. So, um, I'm sorry, go on. I love that. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about what you did for self-care? I will. I also want to talk about Tina Fey for a second, but you know what? We can save that. Yes. For time. Oh, okay. Can we just go into that for one second? Dive right in. Why not? Tell me your thoughts, because I know you've been... <laughs> Enraged. Um, yeah, your Twitter. Rage tweeting. Uh. Um, I... <laughs> 
really <laughs> strongly dislike that sheet cake thing. Tina Fey continues to like nail this really, really specific like way of being a liberal white woman, which is to like be so bright and so funny and so talented and so wrong and racist. I, I, I just like it. Like, I, I don't, I don't mean to be like, well, only dumb people are racist. Cause I know that's not the case, but I'm, I'm, I'm like astounded at how she can do some satire so brilliantly. Like there are some things that she does like in 30 rock where it's like, wow, you are like on another level. And then she like does this other stuff. That's like, I'm not even going to say it's like tone deaf. That would be like a compliment. It's like completely terrible. Like when people were passing around that she cake skit, I was like, Mm. I watched it and I was like, okay, I'm probably going to find some stuff problematic. I just, I feel like I tend to find Tina Fey pretty problematic, but let me see, maybe there's some good stuff in here. Mm -mm. And then it was just like, I, I can't remember every single thing that bothered me, but like one thing was like, she was like, she, she said that like drag queens are six foot tall oh. black men. And it's like, I don't, who told you that like you're allowed to say who drag queens are and aren't like, and, and then the, the joke about Thomas Jefferson, which is like a joke about raping an enslaved woman. And then just, and then also just like the entire like message, which is like eat cake, don't do anything, chill. It's like, that's actually like not, like, that's what we have been doing. Like, that's what white people have been doing. It's like doing nothing and eating cake and like laughing at our like hilarious, like liberal satirists who just like make fun of people, but don't do anything to affect change. Yeah. Anyway, Catherine, what did you think about it? You know, it was, it wasn't a sheet cake. It was a layer cake of problems. I mean, she literally Mm. affirmed and comforted white women when she's like, don't worry, you don't have to be in the streets. Just stay home and eat your feelings. Ha ha. LOL. When in reality, that's the problem. And you know what? A lot of these Nazi things got canceled after people showed the fuck up. So look at that. Don't say, don't feed the trolls. Guess what? It doesn't matter. Feed them or not. They exist. And we have to make sure they know that we are not wanting them in our city. And you have to physically put your body out there and show up. I cannot believe. I was hoping she'd like make fun of that statement. But then I realized there were so many things wrong with what she said. Yeah, she's funny. She said something about Nazis that were like, yeah, I totally agree with you. You can like one thing and also say, and I disagree with that. But the problem I have with her is... She's so smart. She's so funny. But she has this platform and she's just not listening. She actually could be making some change. And I felt that that was lazy. It wasn't it was funny. Sure. But then I was like very, very uncomfortable. And, you know, Thomas Jefferson, I'll say it over and over again. He raped a child. He raped a child. He enslaved her, built a bedroom next to his bedroom and raped her her entire life. Sally Hemings was not a mistress. She was a sex slave. I hate that narrative. Anyway. I know that joke was in such poor taste. Sorry, there's like a lawnmower outside my room right That's now. That's fine. Um, I yeah, like the whole thing really bothered me, and like I'm I'm seeing like a lot of. I actually just right before I started recording, I shared something that was like I I posted on Facebook. We can put it in the show notes, but it's um, all white people are socialized to be racist, and Tina Fey made that clear. Um, by Sharonda J. Brown and WearYourVoiceMag.com. And it's one of, like, a number of, like, really good takes I've seen on just, like, what the fuck is wrong with the Tina Fey thing. But, you know, I know that we're, like, all desperate for, like, someone with a voice and, like, some celebrity and what we perceive as power to, like, come out and, like, say the right thing and do the right thing and, like, drown out some of, like, the horrible shit that we're exposed to. But 
let like let's just like be like a little bit more like uh let's be a little bit more like thoughtful about like who are who are like anointing as our heroes you know what I mean yeah exactly and I think that you know you also said this on Twitter and we've been saying this for a long time why I mean you can have someone you look up to or admire but like no one's perfect why on earth do you expect that what's that is that that lawnmower or is that now a I feel like every time we record, someone, like one of the neighbors in the places we're staying, decides to do like really intensive landscaping. So I, I think that like there's someone like shaping shrubs outside this window. I'm so sorry. Oh, nice. No, it's okay. I was just curious if it was a problem on my end. Um, yeah, so I wanted to say that as well. I'll link to it. I read it on the way home uh, just now on your Facebook, and it was a really, oh, cool. really, and I had a conversation with a friend yesterday I ran into at the eclipse. I'll tell about that later. But he had no, he's like, why was that a problem? And I told him, he was like, Oh yeah, like it. it read it. You know, it's it actually it's actually really good, and you can still like Tina Fey's jokes. She's a very funny person, very accomplished. Totally, you can totally be problematic. It's possible. Um, cool. So self care. <laughs> I made self care. Okay, I yeah, made a so sheet cake and I self-care? stayed home. No, I didn't. I'm joking. Uh, I said I made a sheet cake and stayed home. That's that's not <laughs> what I did. Um, so I um during the totality, the eclipse, I didn't want to do anything. I had auditions that day. Everything was running late. Everything got like pushed back. I knew exactly at 245 we'd hit like totality, like 70% in New York. But Mm -hmm. my audition was close to Madison Square Park. And I was like, you know what? I was going to bring my computer and watch it in Starbucks because there was a a stream of elephants, this elephant sanctuary. And I wanted to watch the elephants experience it live because apparently animals, you know, you wrote the article. I keep quoting you acting as if I know everything about it just because of you. (laughs) That's what I do. It's perfect. Yeah, exactly. And, um, Instead, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to bring my computer. I'm going to bring this big old blanket and a book and some water and buy a sandwich. And I'm going to have a me party in the park by myself, surrounded by other people. I didn't have the eyeglass wear. I was just like, I want to watch them. And I wanted to watch the dogs in the dog park. Um, So, you know, see how the dogs experienced it in New York City. And right as I sat down, I laid out my blanket. I got a text from a really good friend of mine. And it's like, purple is a great way to, you know, wearing purple is a great way to watch the eclipse. And I was like... Um, who's this text for? Oh, no, wrong number. And I was like, oh, I'm wearing purple. Oh, he's here. I turn around and he's there Whoa. with his fiance. They have glasses. They let me use them. And, you know, it's New York City. So, you know, people run into each other. But it was so fun to experience that random. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go to the park and have a, a great time. And I ran into two of my favorite people. And it was just that really is so cool. Yeah, it was fun. So I, 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 I uh, made the direct uh, decision to just calm down, read a book and lay down in the grass. It didn't turn out to be what I planned on, but that was my self-care is have some you time. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you? Um, I decided to, I think, did I talk about this? No, I don't think I talked about this last week. I started not, I, I, I made a decision not to look at Twitter first thing in the morning anymore. And, um, inspired by a friend of mine who, like we just, we were chatting at work and she was like explaining to me, like basically how she maintains her sanity and like a huge part of it for her is like making rules around like when she looks at Twitter Mm -hmm. and like how much time she spends with it. And she was like, you know, looking at Twitter first thing in the morning is like, basically it was like the first thing to go. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And so instead of like, as soon as I wake up checking Twitter, I just, I stopped doing that. And I, I subscribe to two news podcasts uh-huh. that kind of like sum up the news to come. One is up first and mm-hmm. one is the daily. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, 
I, 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 cause I have it in my head that I want to check Twitter. So I know what's going on in the world, but increasingly, and I did say this last week, like Twitter is less about being informed about what's going on and is more about like having to process everyone else's feelings as mm-hmm. they figure out what's going on. In Absolutely. The world. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you know, and so I was like, what if like first thing in the morning, I just like listen to these two podcasts, they're like 15 minutes each. And then I feel like I kind of like know what's going on. I have some news and I have to say like, it's been amazing for my mental health. And it's also led to me just being on Twitter a lot less generally, mm-hmm. which, um, which has just been amazing. Like, I think I like, I kind of knew, but didn't really know the extent to which like I was absorbing every, like just whatever the mood is on Twitter, whether it's like people panicking about, you know, panicking in like a really apocalyptic way or people joking about something in a really like blithe way. Like I just was spent, I was getting so angry. Like even like the thing of like making fun of Trump for not wearing eclipse glasses, Uh. like it's like, it's, it's funny, but it's like, I just feel like liberals have this thing where we, we find something to make fun of about Trump and like, talk about what an asshole he is and what an idiot he is as if like that is like transformative political speech or just like the act of like pointing out that he's an idiot is going to like make change or, or, or like, or like build community. I don't know. Like there's something where it's like every time he does something stupid, the left, like it happened during the campaign where we would be like so excited about it. And all it did was like make people like him more. And so basically like I'm saying all that to say the, the one time in the last, like, I'd say like maybe six days that I've spent any time at on Twitter was like right after the eclipse. I was like, Oh, I wonder what people are saying. And so many people were like doing all these like Trump jokes. And I, it, it like, it really just like rubs me the wrong way because I feel like this, I mean, whatever I've ranted about this before this like liberal sense of humor thing about how dumb Trump is, is like, I, I feel like sometimes it takes the place of like having an actual analysis yep. and actually doing something and taking it seriously. And, yeah. And taking it seriously. And so I was getting like so mad and it's like not everyone else's responsibility to tweet in a way that like is aligned with my thoughts and feelings. So I was like, let me just like not look at Twitter, like what the internet wants to be doing right now, at least like the internet in my timeline on Twitter is like make jokes about how stupid Trump is. So like, I, they, like, how about if they just did that and I didn't look at them, you know, yeah. like, anyway, the point is I'm not using Twitter that much, although I am still tweeting sometimes, which is amazing because I'm like the person in the conversation who like, doesn't listen to what anyone else is saying, but is just like waiting for their turn to speak, Your which feels so, amazing. They're so funny though. I mean, they actually make me laugh because the ones making fun of, Oh, t- white guys with cheeky torches, what losers, I bet you they can't get laid. I'm like, I'm sorry. That's that's uh, wh- how is that helping anything? And also making fun of uh, dudes. Oh, they're crying like fucking pussy baby women. It's like, OK, well, now you're just saying femininity and crying is a bad thing. But also, I agree with you. I understand people are using humor to deal with their own shit. So don't get mad at them. Just unfollow them if you don't want want their sense of humor. Right. But I was listening to another podcast. I'll stop talking in a second because we have letters to get to. It's uh, Trump cast. And they had one of the Antifa people on. And it really opened my eyes to what they do and the work they do. And he said, you know. When he goes, obviously, I'm not telling people what to do, but here's what happens when people make fun of the kids with the torches 
And then, you know, other people are like, oh, well, that's just mean. And then all of a sudden it shifts the narrative to almost like equal footing. And that's dangerous because that is not equal footing. Um, I do understand the need to make jokes and the desire to make jokes. And I, I'm not saying people should stop, but like maybe don't follow that. And also, you know, it's kind of like when Jimmy Fallon rubbed Trump's hair. I was I wanted to vomit. I was in a, I was so upset. Yeah, I remember that you were really upset. I was very upset by that because here's a man. He's not a joke. He fucking won. He admits to rape. He's racist. It's not funny. Anyway. Oof. Um, Yeah, no, I I agree. And like, just like on that one note of like making fun, that whole thing of like making fun of guys by being like, oh, they can't get laid. Oh, they're virgins. It's like, yeah, it's problematic in like so many ways that like, I don't even have time to get into all of them. But one of the main things that really bothers me is that it exonerates the people who are sleeping with those guys and are endorsing them and supporting them. Like, which is like what I'm not, I'm not going to go on a thing about like whether or not women should like, or men should withhold sex from like white supremacists because that's a whole nother <laughs> thing. But it just doesn't sound like such a bad idea. But like just the thing of being like, oh, these guys can't get laid. It's like these guys have like, plenty of success in their lives professionally and personally not all of them but a lot of them because white supremacy is not as like is not like a fringe thing for quote-unquote losers it's like a pretty mainstream thing for like I mean yeah are are they losers yes of course but like you know what I mean yeah, and also uh, women's bodies are not to be conquered in order to ensure masculinity. Like, hi, we're here too. Go fuck yourself. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. But like, oh, he can't get laid. Like, what does that even mean? He doesn't have these skills to trick a woman into like opening her legs. Like, I, this is just a one-sided conversation about a bunch of dudes who think that's the beyond all. And like, I'm sitting here being like, I don't, I don't, that does not compute. Ha ha, he can't get laid. Well, Okay, so he's not raping someone. Great. I, I don't know. You know, what What does that even mean? That's... Yeah. It, yeah, that, it doesn't compute. That's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're really getting off track. But anyway, it's great to talk to you. I miss you. I know. I miss you too. Shall we get so to this? Our, yeah, let's do it. Our first... We just have a really quick update. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from Carol, whose letter we read on episode 26. Wow. Carol says, I just wanted to give an update that I'm all set to move to go back to school for my master of social work. I have a roommate apartment and field placement for the fall. You guys and everyone in the struggle buddies group have given me such great advice and I'm very appreciative. Thank you for the advice for my move as well. I significantly decluttered and should be able to move all my belongings in my parents' truck and my small car. Carol, congratulations. That is very exciting. Episode 26. I think uh, they were asking, should I move? Should I make this change? Look at that. Years later, um, Here you are. I'd like to think it's because of us. No, no, no. I'm I'm really glad you got <laughs> support and good advice. And um, thank you so much for the update, Carol. Yes. Cool. And Carol, keep us posted throughout your um, your grad school journey. Yeah. All right. So the first email, uh, their choice, yes. correct, of name? Uh, oopsie. Yeah. Oh, oopsie. Is it? Oh, oopsie. I thought you wrote in the Google Doc. Oopsie. It was their choice, like originally. Oh, written. oh, oh. No, I think, <laughs> I think the name they want is oopsie. I love it. Uh, do you want me to read? Yeah, sorry. I'm just looking at how long ago episode 26 was. It was a really long time ago. Yeah, two years, a year and a half, at least. Okay. It was November 19th, 2015. Wow. Almost exactly. Thank you for being a longtime listener, Carol. Oh, Carol. Um, Cool. So this is from Oopsie. I love this. Okay. (laughs) Dear Kate and Sally, two parts to this email. Number one, what are your top five New York City etiquette tips? 
Oof, this is going to be hard to narrow down, but thank you. And number two, I've been feeling super conflicted lately because I work at a really cool nonprofit right now, and it stands for such great things and claims to be inclusive, but it's fucking not. I'm a queer 21-year-old lady, youngest person in my office, and there is one specific person. She was kind of my boss last summer, but not really because she's the worst, hashtag not my boss, who has been openly homophobic to me and racist towards other staff of color. I was moved out of that department into a different one when I told my supervisor about the homophobia and racism. I would be fine with this if I didn't like the previous position I was in. I've been working in that department for eight years now, eight years, and now all of a sudden I'm not. I thought about making a report to HR about it, but my current boss and I have a close relationship, and she has this weird thing about HR. I think she feels like the HR department in her office is very controlling, which it has been in the past, so that's valid. But I'm conflicted because the person being racist slash homophobic should go to some social justice training or be fucking fired. Another side of this that's shitty is that I don't think our HR person will believe me slash would understand because she is an older cis white woman. A lot of the comments that were said to me were microaggressions. Example, oh, wow, your toenails are painted. You don't look like the kind of girl to get their toes painted. And someone could easily see that as a quote unquote normal question. She has also been racist to our interns who are minors and other staff of color. When she found out I was Middle Eastern, she also said some slurs to me as well. Now, if all of that wasn't hard enough, my office is in the fucking Trump building. It's hell. It's also a huge contradiction to what this organization is all about. I have been a part of it for eight years, but we recently moved our office downtown because of money. So there's that. Thanks for taking the time to read an answer. Love. Oopsie. (laughs) I love this. Sally thoughts. Nice. Well, there's actually an update right after Wait. that. Oh, sorry. Yes. From Oopsie. I will That's read okay. that. Yes, yes. Hey, Kate and Sally. Here's an update. As of five minutes ago, I made the HR report. Here's what happened. After the MTA fucked up my morning, you both know the struggle. I finally walked into work only to find that the person who was homophobic slash racist towards other staff and I was there in the office. For context, she's never in the office because she works at the she works on site. Immediately, I feel the fucking inferno in my stomach build up to my throat all the way into a panic attack. I sat at my desk, having a panic attack and trying to distract myself with work until it became physically painful in my chest and stomach. A few times I walked by the HR office trying to build up my confidence to go in there and talk to her and finally do. I explained everything and... By my surprise, she was so understanding, and we are setting up a second meeting to talk more. Going forward, I'm scared of retaliation. I'm scared that my boss is going to be mad that I made the report. I feel like people are going to look at me weird or whatever. I'm just one anxious ball right now. Do you have any advice about the after process of an HR report? You both are fucking rock stars. Thanks. Oopsie. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, this is great. This is a wonderful topic. Sally, thoughts? Yeah, I mean— Oopsie. Well, congratulations on making the HR report. That's awesome. Um, I think that HR questions are always really hard for me to answer because I think it ultimately comes down to like the HR department that you're dealing with. And some are really awesome and some are not. And like some, some HR people are like really sensitive and thoughtful and really good at keeping things confidential and helping their employees without blowing things up. But I I mean, I've also heard total horror stories. So it's, I always find that like, we've had a couple of questions about like, should I talk to HR? Should I not? And like, what should I do? 
and it's always really hard for me to figure out what kind of advice to give. But I think like in terms of the things that you're worried about, I totally understand being worried about retaliation or your boss being scared or being upset that you made the report. Um, I think, and people looking at you weird, I I think that like one thing to keep in mind, like, I, I don't know if this is like comforting, but like you, you did, you, you saw and experienced something unjust and unacceptable and you took action to make it stop. So that you did the right thing. Like you're on the right side of history and you know, other people having a reaction to that is like their business. Like maybe they don't like it or maybe, you know, they're upset, but that's like for them to worry about and them to process. Now, you know, if your boss like retaliates, I think like that, then you're like in a different situation. I mean that, that, I mean, that's another reason to go to HR. Um, I do think that people get upset when other people like rock the boat, even if the boat is being rocked for like Mm -hmm. a really good reason. And Mm -hmm. so you might get some like weird pushback, but I think that like all you really do in these situations is like, know you did the right thing. And also know that like, there are probably, you know, maybe there are people who are like, you know, upset that you did it. There are also people who are probably like, damn, that was really brave. I've always wanted to go to HR about this person and couldn't. And there are other people who are like, not even paying attention because they're doing their own thing. So just like, you know, just remember that like your fears about what everyone is thinking about you and the way everyone's reacting are not, isn't, th- those aren't all the same thing as how people are actually reacting to you and what they do actually think of you. So just try to keep those fears kind of in check. Mm-hmm. Catherine, what about you? Well, obviously we're saving the first question for last because reasons. Yes. Uh, but I agree with everything you say, um, Sally, about that because it's tough. It depends on the situation. I used to work in an HR department, so I've been behind the scenes and know that every office is different. You know, there's HR departments that actually had infighting amongst themselves. I couldn't complain about my boss at the HR department because she was the boss of the HR department. So, you know, things happen. Here's the thing. I'm really glad you said something. I do understand that there's backlash sometimes when you come forward with, with a thing, and that sucks. That That happens a lot in many, many instances. But the number one thing you should think about is keeping a detailed record of every incident if you can. And if you haven't, do start. Send uh, emails with timestamps. Write down in a journal. Um, I I say emails are better to send to yourself because they have the, you know, electronic timestamp. Journals can be like, quote unquote, made up in a court of law. Um, In in the old school days, you would write yourself a letter and send it to yourself. So the government stamp, you know, like you, there's many ways to get something seen, keep a memo. Um, I have had to do that in a few occasions in my life after learning the hard way that they're like, show us the receipts. And it's like, you know, when it's one word against the other, unfortunately, they really need to see as much as possible. Uh, That sucks. That said, I'm very happy that the person you spoke to at HR took you seriously. So as far as uh, blowback, pushback, okay, you don't know. And, And I understand why you're anxious. But here's the thing. You're anxious about something you don't quite know for a fact yet. You were anxious about meeting with the HR person and it turned out well. I'm not saying that you're you're overreacting or you're just being sensitive. I get it. Like I think about things all the time and I get really anxious. But the truth is, you know, you're not in charge of that person's reaction. They are. And if they fuck up again, great. Just add it to the list and talk to the HR person. I really hope you feel comfortable with them. And if for any reason at all, the HR person is not working out for you and more stuff happens, you can take this to a lawyer. 
you can make this a civil suit. This is a serious situation, and this is how change happens. So you have a lot more rights than you realize. Take copious notes and know that you're doing the right thing, and it's not going to be easy. But please, please, you know, just acknowledge that you're doing something that's that's going to help people eventually. Take notes, take notes, take notes. I can't stress them enough. Um, well, are we going to get to number one, or did you want to dovetail? Yeah, yeah. That? Let's talk about our – so the question is our top five NYC etiquette tips. What do you think, Catherine? Oh, God. It goes, it goes to the subway, obviously. First of all, if you're standing on the subway, and even if it's packed or whatever, but especially if it's not packed, and your thing is, I'm going to lean on the doors that open and close, and then you get to a stop, and there's a door behind you that's about to open, and you're still standing there while people are trying to get in and out, you're blocking the entire door. Don't do that. Number two, if you're running to a train and the doors are open and someone in front of you is running as well and they're like, oh boy, we're going to do this together and they get in and right, are you doing the peace signs? You know what I'm about to say? They no, get, no, I'm, I'm, I'm listing them off. Oh, oh, I thought you were giving me the peace sign. Like, yeah. So the other person has run in, they've made the train and then they stop at the door. They stop running and it's like, no, you have got to keep moving. There's people behind you. Um, number three, Freaking anyone with a disability, a cane, anyone who asks for a receipt, just offer a seat up. It's not that hard. Uh, number four, uh, oh, man spreading. Person spread. Everyone's like, ladies spread too. Yeah, it's true. People move their crap around. Don't do it. These are all just subway related. But number five, sidewalk activity. If you're in a pack of friends, you got to move for people who are walking on the street next to you that's that. If you're a couple, I don't like holding hands on the street because I know that I could be like, like I hold hands in a really tight way, but also move like aside. Just be aware of your personal space. I had a guy actually physically run into me. Here's what happened. I was walking to B&H to buy some equipment for the podcasting stuff. And I see a guy on my left on his phone standing against the wall. And I was like, cool, I'm just going to walk like by him and then go into B&H. And coming towards me is a pack of dudes who were not paying attention, which I find very difficult because it's New York City. You're not the only one. And as the guy comes closer and closer, I don't want to hit the guy against the wall. And he looks at me and all of a sudden, smack. He actually smacks his entire body into me and turns and goes, I'm so sorry. And I was like, this happens a lot. So um, just be aware of your personal space. And uh, that's that's it, really. I mean, there's more, but, you know, I could go on for days. Sally, I'm yeah. very curious. Those are yours. great. Thank you. Um, I endorse all of yours. And then my top five would be, one, sidewalk related, <laughs> like kind of the same thing you're saying, Catherine, which is if you are going to stop to look at a map or have a conversation or text, just pull over. Don't do it in the middle of the sidewalk. Like a car. Like a car. Two. <laughs> Um, if you're on the subway, <laughs> do not lean on the pole. People need to hold on to it. I don't care how not crowded the train is. Someone might want to hold on to it. Three, if you have a backpack, <laughs> take it off your back. Always. I'm sorry that you have to put your bag on the floor. I don't, if I had my choice of like my bag on the subway floor versus my bag not on the subway floor. Trust me, I would not choose bag on the subway floor, but you have to make room for other human beings. So fucking take off your goddamn backpack. Four, um, move when you get on the train, move to the center of the train. I know you want to be near the door. We all do. We all want to be near the door because we're all in a bigger rush than everyone else. And we want to get off the train first. Move in to the center of the car so other people can get on. Five. <laughs> I would have to say 
let people off the train yes before you get onto it it's like like it's it's common sense like you cannot until we can like walk through each other <laughs> until until that technology exists just let people off the train before you get onto it like, i am, i am not platform I, nine and three quarters okay i you can't exactly. go through and also, like, my overarching thing, like, your overarching thing was, like, be aware of your personal space. Mine is, if, ask yourself, if everyone did what I was doing right now, would anarchy be the result? <laughs> if the answer is yes, stop doing what you're doing. If you're doing something that if everyone did it, it would be a complete, chaotic, messy pandemonium, you're doing the wrong thing. <sighs> Yeah. Right? I, I just love how it's all transportation really. It's all transportation. Like I can't even think of another thing. Like what 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 would even be another thing? Etiquette. Oh, also, oh, um, um, New Yorkers are actually really polite. People don't realize that. It's the tourist that needs some etiquette lessons, to be honest. New Yorkers are very polite and everyone's like, Oh, you're nice for a New Yorker. I'm like, No, 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 no. I'm I'm nice because I'm from here and we are nice people who help each other out begrudgingly. You know, yeah. we all have to live together. Do I like my next door neighbor? Do I talk about him all the time? No, not at all. But we have to live in the same building. So, you know. Totally. Yeah. Great well, questions. Well, I think those are really good, um, really good, really angry etiquette tips. Very solid. I, I don't think angry. I think accurate. Uh, mine were angry. <laughs> well, I mean, so were mine. I mean, I think yours were just correct. Correct. Thank you. Yeah. I feel good about them. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. So email number two, they chose the name. Sally, yes. do you want to read this? Yeah. Okay. So this is from Katara and they're going to explain why in a second. Okay. Hi, Kate and Sally. Some of my kids' friends are starting to identify their sexuality and I'd really like to hear your thoughts on how to respond. I apologize in advance if my terminology is dated or inappropriate. I try to keep up, but I don't always know the current accepted language and web searches can be wildly conflicting. If you don't mind, I'd really like to be called Katara, a waterbender from The Last Airbender. And if you haven't seen the animated series, I think you'd really enjoy it. I've changed all the names of the individuals below so you can feel free to use them. So the background. The kids these days all chat in group chats through different apps on their phones, iPads, etc. My kid. Are we saying the name of the kid? The, the kids. The names are all changed. Oh, oh, oh. I didn't realize. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um. Um. My kid, Toph, saw her friend, you, in a group chat and texted, how are you? You responded, oh, gay, you know, girls. Do you understand? Toph responded with a chin scratch emoji and, um, not really. You and Toph continued chatting on the app about school, etc., and that was the end of it. I asked Toph if you wanted to talk more, and I got the classic tween response of a nonverbal, a nonverbal I don't know. I was concerned because I had a similar reaction when a friend told me she was lesbian and this was apparently the wrong reaction and I hurt my friend's feelings. For you, though, this was apparently the right reaction. Everyone knows that you identifies as lesbian and she is accepted as she should be by Toph and all their friends. Granted, this was a long time ago and I was older than Toph at the time, but when my friend Azula came out to me, my response hurt my friend. Azula and I were meeting to go catch up with friends and see a movie. As we were walking together, Azula told me she needed to tell me something. Azula seemed nervous, so I was concerned. She said, I need you to know that I'm seeing Mai. 
I was a little surprised because I'd never seen any PDA between them, so I hadn't known, but I waited for Azula to continue. I thought she was going to tell me that she and Mai were having trouble or something else about Mai because Azula seemed nervous. Azula, however, did not continue. We walked in silence for a bit, and then I asked if everything was okay between them. Azula said everything was good, but she still seemed hesitant. I was at a loss, so I said something like, that's great. Are we still going to see the movie? Azula looked at me and then said yes. We met up with our friends and saw the movie. We were all going to go out afterwards, but Azula said she was tired and went home. I didn't think anything of it. A few days later, a mutual friend told me that Azula was hurt by my reaction to her coming out. It turned out she'd worked up to it for days and was really worried about my reaction. I was surprised she felt this way since everyone knew I was a huge advocate for reproductive rights for all and I had other lesbian and bi friends. I contacted Azula and I apologized for hurting her feelings. I explained that she was my friend and who she dated or how she identified herself made no difference to me. Everything was fine afterwards, but I still feel guilty that my reaction hurt Azula. Since I had a vastly different experience from TOEF, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on how to best respond to friends that are expressing their sexual identity. Also, if you have any suggestions for reading materials and sources for tweens slash young teens, that would be great too. Congratulations on your 100th episode and thank you for sharing your compassionate wisdom. Sincerely, Katara. Katara, thank you so much for writing this in. This is a really, really cool email because um, I have had similar experiences with friends of mine in high school coming out. And a real good friend of mine I heard later was like, I don't think Catherine accepts the fact that I'm bisexual simply because my response was, oh, cool. You know, like, and I didn't know how I should be affirming other than, you know. Um, and I think everyone's different. At the end of the day, I think that, you know, obviously you can still be really proud of someone or happy for them or like, oh, thank you for letting me know that. But I guess what I've learned is just acknowledging that it might have been a tough thing maybe is helpful. Um, so, for example, someone's like, hey, there's something I want to tell you. And then they they say something, you know, I'm seeing so-and-so. Like, thank you for sharing that with me. Um, do you want to talk more about it? Like, even if I'm not quite sure if they want me to make a big deal out of it, acknowledging is very simple and being like, thank you for telling me that. Would you like to talk more? That said, you know, I, I don't... Um, I don't know how, you know, like I said, everyone's different. So it could be that maybe someone does want to hear your thoughts on it. And um, it's one of those gray areas that I actually, not gray areas, but like things that I do think friends will work out amongst themselves if there really is mutual love and respect. But sometimes people don't always know what to say simply because if you make a too big deal out of it, it might be another thing. I have a friend who's trans. And when he told a friend, he tells me there's like this same friend still comes up to me like, hey, buddy, hey, brah, you know, like pounds is like back like hey how you doing man what's up with the chicks and he's like that's a little extra so you know but either way it shows that that person is still acknowledging um we're all going to say something that maybe comes off wrong but um hopefully your friends will let you know and i think the best thing you can say when you don't know what to say is thank you for telling me you want to talk about it i don't know thoughts sally yeah Yeah, i mean i think it is one of those things where there's no like quote unquote right way i think everyone's that maybe like needs and wants different things. I do think that like, it's hard to go wrong with like, thank you for sharing. Um, and maybe you already know this, but I love you and nothing about what you've told me will change anything. Mm. You know, I mean, I think a lot of it really depends on like how the person is like approaching you. Like, I mean, if someone, if it's like this, like breezy thing, like Toph's friend and it's like, yeah, I'm gay. It's cool. And like moving on to other things, like you probably don't have to like, 
stare deep into their eyes and be like, I'll always be here for you and I love you no matter what. But, you know, if someone approaches you and is like looking really nervous and like having a hard time saying something, that's like a they're giving you a signal that like they're like, I think your friend was like disclosing to you, like, and not just by like being nervous and like showing you how she was feeling that this was like a pretty tough thing for her to say to you. Um, and you know, I, I think it's important that people understand that like, no matter how liberal a friend is, like all of us have, I won't say all of us, but I'll say most queer people I know, including me, have come out to people who seem super liberal and have great politics and gotten like really shitty reactions. Mm. So just, just because you're an advocate for reproductive rights, um, that doesn't, and, and even like having other gay friends, like I don't think that that automatically means that a queer person would know you'll be okay with it because there are lots of times when like a person is like cool with like a certain friend being queer, but like when another friend comes out, it like, it lands differently with them. Sometimes like, you know, like I I just like, I I think it really depends not just like on the person's political beliefs, but like their relationship with you. Mm. And like sometimes like someone can be fine with like queer people or a same sex marriage or have other gay friends. But like when you come out to them, it's like a different thing. And so it's important to realize that, you know, if you've been burned, like you don't, automatically just like assume that everyone is going to be like accepting and supportive when you come out to them. Um, and also like, I just really think it's like important to read the room and see like what the person seems to need from you. A person who's really nervous, obviously not obviously, maybe it wasn't obvious in the moment, but a person who's really nervous about telling you something probably needs after they've come out to you needs like some acknowledgement of how intense it was or how scary it was for them to have just told something and have just told you something. And maybe also like, you know, I think some people want to hear something like, thank you so much for trusting me enough to tell me that, like, or thank you so much for like knowing, you know, for believing that I would like be here for you, or thank you so much for sharing this part of yourself with me. Like, I, I do think that like some people want to hear that. And I think other people want a, want like a much more like, like a no, no, like no, no huge emotional response and everyone's different, but I think you have to sort of be keyed into what your friend what you think your friend might want or need in that moment, which is the thing we're doing with people in our lives all the time. And and if you're totally stuck and you have no idea, I also, if it were me, I think that like rather than a friend reacting in a way that like ended up hurting my feelings, I would rather the friend be like, listen, I just want you to know that like I, nothing about how I feel about you has changed and I love you. I'm also wondering, is there anything I can do right now in this moment to like support you? Is there anything that like you need to hear from me? Like, do you want to talk about, like, I, I just, I think it's like fine to ask the person how you can support them in the moment. Mm-hmm. And going back to high school, when I heard that that friend had said that I called her and I was like, shit, I, I just heard um, that you don't whatever think I take your bisexuality seriously. I didn't realize that. And then we had a great conversation. She's like, oh, I should have told you something. I was just like, wasn't sure if you got it. And I was like, no, no, I mean, you know, please. And, and then we're still like the tightest people now. And, you know, it was um, it was something that needed to be worked out and it got worked out. So it's not always going to play off perfectly, but it involves people, 
you know, uh, maybe having to go back and have another conversation. But Katara, I love this email for so many reasons. First, that you are thinking about this. And second, that you just described this this text conversation with teenagers that was so affirming of like that these kids can say this to each other. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like a really it's just we're moving towards a, a world where this is totally normal. I mean, not yeah. not that it's not normal, but you know what I mean? Um, accepted as a very real, you know, part of life. Yeah, totally. I love how it's just like this breezy, casual thing. Emoji. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I dig that. So it, it gives me faith in the world that there's some really thoughtful teenagers out there. And uh, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Katara. Yeah. yeah, thanks for writing in. Thanks for being so thoughtful and yeah. like asking this question. It's a really, really good question. Awesome. Um, okay, so this third email, the person needs a name. Yes. Uh, are you watching anything new? I'm, I'm finally getting through Kimmy Schmidt. Mm, this season's off and on. I'm watching Game of Thrones, but like everyone is like so fucking problematic that mm. we definitely shouldn't choose a name from there. Probably not. Oh, I met someone who works for Game of Thrones and like I could find out the entire season spoilers if I wanted to, by the way. I just heads up. Whoa. Yeah, I know. I'm a big deal. Um, I, think, I think you and everyone else because I think there was like a leak. So I think like everyone kind of does now. There was. There's always going to be a leak. Come on now. You can't keep a secret. Yeah. <laughs> um. So let's see. I, uh, what else have I watched? Ugh. I'm I don't, trying to come up with something too. I don't know. I rewatched uh, All the President's Men, but we already talked about that. Uh, checkers. We did? Well, Checkers, the dog, was Nixon's dog. We used that. I don't want to say. What about, um, what's Obama's, what was Obama's dog's name? Bo. 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 How about Bo, yes. the Portuguese water dog? Perfect. Remember when they okay. adopted a brother or sister for Bo and the other dog was not as interesting? Oh, really? I, oh, didn't, yeah. I don't remember that. That's the, amazing. The best tweet from the Obama administration was when it was a picture of Bo with a, um, a ball and Bo was like, dropped the ball and was looking up at the camera and they said, Bo, stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> right? That is pretty great. Right? Okay. <clears throat> Bo. Dear Kate and Sally. For my entire life, I've struggled to make and keep friends. This is at least partially due to some low self-esteem issues on my part and also the fact that I, I'm more introverted than extroverted. Overall, I think I get along with people really well. I have a good rapport with the people I work with and the people in the various community groups I participate in, but none of those relationships ever go any deeper than superficial chatting. I seem to go through cycles where I meet someone and we become friends. We'll be close for a few months or a few years, and then communication and meetups will gradually fade until it's clear that the friendship has pretty much ended. This has recently happened again, and I'm trying to process it and figure out what I'm doing wrong and how I can move forward. This most recent friend was a colleague at work, and we hit it off immediately. We had a similar sense of humor and could easily chat for hours about everything. The friendship was great until I got engaged last December. She started to pull away from the friendship around then. She didn't seem eager to talk to me at work, and she would respond to texts with one-word answers. A few months later, she got a new job, and since then, there's been almost no communication. I've tried texting her a few times to ask how she's doing, and she'll send back a one-word response. So, I decided to leave her alone and write off this friendship since it seemed clear that she doesn't want to continue it, at least right now, not right, at least right now. I'd be thrilled if she showed interest in being friendly again in the future, but I'm not holding my breath about that. 
this seems to be how most of my friendships end up eventually. I know a lot of friendships just run their course and end naturally, but I really hate that most of the time I don't feel like I have any close friends and that I don't have any solid relation I'm sorry, solid friendships that go back more than a few years. What's also confusing to me is that I've never had this much trouble with my love life. For my entire adult life, I've never had much trouble finding great guys to date. I've had a handful of solid long-term relationships, and I recently married the love of my life. How can someone who falls so easily into romantic relationships have such a difficult time finding meaningful friend relationships? Isn't that supposed to work the other way around? I guess I'm wondering if you have any advice on what might be going on here and how I can make friends in the future and hopefully maintain the friendship long term. I would love for you to choose a name for me. Done and done. Any theme is fine. I um, Okay. Thank you so much. Bo. Great okay, question. Bo. Great question. Um, I think that like the key to everything is um, your question, how can someone who falls so easily into romantic relationships have such a difficult time finding meaningful friend relationships? Just because I feel like right there is like, that is the thing that you have to really spend some time investigating to get at some sort of answer. And I don't think that's something that like I can... Um, like provide you with an answer for because I do think it's the kind of thing that like when you have a pattern that's been going on for like you know like a long time and you don't really have any insight into it something is like blocking you and I do think it's a thing that you need to do with like serious self-reflection um my preference would be to do that in therapy but like <laughs> everyone has their own um their own process but like I think that like you know you could just like do some thinking about what it like how relationships are different for you than friendships. Like I, I know that like romantic relationships are different for me than platonic relationships because romantic relationships have a certain kind of intimacy. Um, I know that like in romantic relationships, I feel like I can be myself more than I feel like I can be in platonic relationships. I know that like, you know, like it's, it's different for everyone. I think like different things stick out for different people because, you know, we all have different experiences of friendships and relationships. But I think like one interesting place to start would be like, what, like, how do I experience romantic relationships? How do, what, like, who am I in a romantic relationship versus like, who am I in a friendship? What do I get out of my romantic relationships and what do I put into them? And mm -hmm. then like vice versa and like same questions for platonic friendships. But, um, I think that I don't think it's like necessarily quote unquote supposed to work the other way around. I think that like, that's the popular, like that's the thing we see all the time in like movies, you know? But, um, but I, I, I think that like, you know, that there's no one way it's supposed to be like relationships. I think any relationship and no matter what kind like requires investment and work and like some, some of them take, um, like some of them come easier to us than others. And I think that's totally natural. Catherine, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, this is one of those emails where I kind of want to meet this person to get a better read on what's happening. Cause I feel it's not as simple as just, Oh yeah, I have this, but I don't have that. And then that's not being judgy at all. It's more like, I wonder if maybe you're just not really into having a big social circle and you really like having a partner and doing your own thing and staying home sometimes. You know, there's a lot of people who are really just happy not having a lot of friends. 
I hear of people who live on islands their entire lives with like nothing but nature and they're not lonely. And and there's other people who need to be surrounded by people all the time. So maybe you're just one of those people that doesn't really have that kind of relationship structure. Do you want that is the question. And if you do want it, what do you want from that? Right. So I would go, well, first of all, therapy might help if you're concerned that you're not um, if you really want something and you feel like you don't have any good friends. But I wonder, I wonder what you had been getting out of those friendships and what you miss and what you want and why maybe you didn't think about that and, and, and address it. I don't know. Because also you're in a great relationship and, and so you know how to have a relationship, even though romantic is different. It's not like you're not able to talk to people. But um, I just wonder, like, what, what would you want out of a friend? What, what friend do you miss right now? Why, why wouldn't she pick up the phone and sort of maybe pick it up like the, the chatting again? Does that make sense? Like investigate what friendship means to you and why and who you want to be that, you know? Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, totally. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely yeah. been in social circles and recently I had a weird thing happen at a party where like this group of people were kind of mean to me. And I had flashbacks of junior high where I didn't have a lot of friends because I was going through other stuff. It had nothing to do with my friendship abilities, but I, at home, I was going through some abuse and I, in hindsight, was shutting down, right? I'm not saying that has anything to do with you, but I'm saying remembering that feeling, it's, it made me feel like I could never have friends in my life. And I, I do know that it's hard sometimes to maintain friendships, especially if you've made friends with someone who maybe isn't that nice to you in return or does not want to reciprocate. Um, I would say just think about what, what you want. I don't want to be like the secret, envision it and it'll happen. But, you know, just make a vision board on Pinterest, kind of, in your head of like, what do you want? Like, what, what do you want out of friendship? Like, who who would you want to be a friend and how do you see that playing out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, there's a line where you say, like, we'll be close for a few months or a few years and then communication and meetups will gradually fade until it's clear that the friendship is pretty much ended. And I that stuck out to me just because it's like written in the passive voice mm -hmm. and there are two, at least two people involved, right? In a friendship. So it's like, what do you mean that like meetups gradually fade until it's clear the, the friendship has ended? Like, are you, is like, are you like continuing to like try to make plans with people and like try to stay in touch? Or are you like, when someone doesn't really make plans with you, you don't make plans with them and then they don't make plans and it just sort of like falls away. I mean, I, I do think that like, there are friendships that like, if you don't, if you, if you don't like actively try to maintain them, they can like fade away. Mm. Um, and sometimes like, that's fine because it can be like, okay, if I'm putting this much work into a friendship, like I can just let it go. Other times it's like, I, I do think like sometimes friendships do take a little bit of like, you know, prodding and being like, Hey, like, I really miss you. And like, we haven't talked, like we haven't met up in a long time. Like, can we get together? Like, so I, I just like, I just don't think that friendships like happen to people. I think you, you, they do require like work and they mm. do require maybe not work, but like effort. So I'm, I'm interested to know, like, you know, it's like this friend, like didn't seem eager to talk to you and like, isn't really responding. That sounds like a different situation than what you're saying of like how your friendships, uh, eventually just sort of the communication like fades away mm. and then the friendship is over. So I'm not sure that those are like the same situation, but like, I don't know. I mean, like, is it worth like trying to get back in touch and like restart some of these friendships? Like, 
can you try like sort of not letting them fall away in the first place? Or are you losing interest? Cause I mean, if you're losing interest then like, that's like kind of a different story. But, um, I think that like you have, I think that like you've made a great first step, which is like, you've noticed this pattern of like being like being in these great romantic relationships. And so it's like, yeah, like that's an indication that like you're doing something right. Right. Like you- you've like bonded with another human being. I, I shouldn't say that you're doing something right because there are plenty of people who like don't want to be in relationships or aren't in relationships and you're not doing something wrong. But what I'm saying is like when you're in a relationship, you can be like, okay, like I have some data that I'm able to like connect with another person in this situation. So yeah. why is that not transferring to like another situation? So I think that first step of like, like looking at the data and acknowledging it is awesome. And I think then the next step would be just like some deep thought and reflection about the patterns and what your actions have been in these situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that made sense to me. Yeah. When you said you're doing something right, I didn't hear it as like, therefore you're perfect and correct. I heard it as like, you do have a relationship of one kind. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. I I understand what you're saying. Um, Yeah, definitely get back to us. I I'm, I'm curious, actually, I'd like to know a little bit more. Um, It's the kind of thing where, you know, think, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good topic. There are people who maybe don't like to have too many friends and keep to themselves. Who knows? Um, I feel like if you really, really, really want to stay in touch with someone, you would. There's people I don't either, you know. So I don't know. Yeah, um, but I I would also say, like, if you want to write in again and, like, give us more detail, you yeah. can. I mean, you know, I don't know that we'll be able to, you know, it might we might need to actually be um, – you know, as you know, we're not, uh, what did we say in the beginning? Professionals or I mean, something. So yeah, maybe we, don't we have can, degrees. but you can try. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason this intrigued me is that, um, it is possible. I, I have met people who are like, I'm just not a people person. I like to keep to myself and I, I would not want to shame someone who maybe was like, eh, I'm not impressed. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, definitely psych- uh, therapy would help. I think maybe explore what it is you want out of a friendship and how you can get that. So if you have access to therapy, definitely, um, yeah. That's a, that's a great jumping off point for a session. Man, if I were a shrink, I'd be like, wonderful. <laughs> I know. They would like crack their knuckles and push up their sleeves and be like, let's get into it. Yep. Anyway. And also sometimes things that are you think are about one thing are actually about something else. Usually it involves your parents. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> 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 no, no, I'm joking. But um, thank you for writing in. Definitely keep us posted. And uh, yeah, Bo, cool. Um, yeah. So, Catherine. Yes. This is our last uh episode where we're each on different sides of the country which I'm, I'm pretty happy about i i know i miss you um i'm happy for you because you're having a great time yeah i'm having a ball but the i will say the one thing that los angeles lacks is a one Catherine heller Thank is you. not here Thank so you. tell that to all the agents out there <laughs> yeah everyone know that before you move to la that Catherine is not here so rethink it i really like la you know when i first met you we planned on potentially moving to california together right and restarting our lives kind of taking over the west coast and why and why wouldn't we do that well then we each met someone oh right that's yeah. a good point <laughs> but um cool i have the song of the week i'm very excited but um yeah next week then we will do another episode any bonus episodes coming out and uh i can't wait to see you face to face in person not on skype same mm-hmm. yeah although i'm loving your hat what is happening with that hat? Can I see? Thank it? you. Um, I just, I didn't put any product in my hair, Catherine. And so I'm hiding my hat. I mean, my hair, but uh-huh. it's just like a. It's so beachy. It's, yeah. It's like very, it has flowers on it. It's like Hawaiian and Palm Springs kind of like meat. 
Um, cool. So listen, hey, uh, tweet at us at StruggleBuzzPod. We love hearing from you. Email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com if you want to ask a question or if you want to be in our super secret Facebook group, please email us and put in the subject line, I'd like to join the group. Um, and uh, give us the email that you log into Facebook with, not your Facebook like name kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like the header that's like facebook.com slash name, name, name. I can't add you that way. So we need an email. Um, Instagram.com slash the struggle bus pod. Use the hashtag struggle pod buds 420 to find a struggle buddy. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller. Um, and yeah, if you want to become a donor and get access to 10 bonus episodes, and we do one a month, so coming up is Big Old 11, go on to strugglebuspodcast.com and log on to the link on Gumroad, and it's little as $5 a month. Start at that. You can give us more. We'll take it. We appreciate it. We sure will. Yeah. So um, did I miss anything? That's it. No, but I definitely want to hear uh, the song of the week. I'm, I don't think I know this song, and I'm very excited. Oh, okay. So the song of the week is Across the Universe. It's a cover of the Beatles song, a cover by Fiona Apple. I think you do know this song. Okay. And I thought about it because, you know, the eclipse happened, and oh, my goodness, some struggle bus listeners met each other um, and uh, saw totality together and that's really cool and I was thinking about it like listen New York didn't get that dark it was fun it was silly but I had this great moment where I was like literally looking at the sky and across the universe and I'm thinking you know there's just so much wonderful energy in this world time to embrace it every now and again so this is a really beautiful cover that is awesome I can't wait to hear this yeah she's pretty rad so um I like this version and uh hey I can't wait to see you in person Sally same Z's. And you guys, thank you so much for listening. Hey, I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye. Words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. They slither while they pass. They slip away across the universe.